This is Fans on the Run, a podcast made by, for, and about Beatles fans. And now, here's your host, Ethan Alexander. All right, everyone, welcome, 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 welcome back to Fans on the Run. Out of all of the Beatles podcasts, this is one of the Beatles podcasts. Again, it's it's early in the morning. My brain isn't working. I'm I never really know how to introduce these shows. If you've listened to the past how many episodes, you know I don't know how to introduce a show. So I'm just going to jump into it. Mystery guest, how would you describe yourself? A big Beatles and Ringo fan. Well, I would I would hope so. Our next guest <laughs> is he's a drum wizard. He plays in a band called the BBC Band and he's, you know, an independent historian and he's also done drum curating work for Ringo Starr. Please welcome Gary Astridge. Gary, welcome to the show. Ethan, it's so nice uh, to speak with you today. Thanks for having me on. We met uh, probably very briefly at the last Chicago Fest for Beatles fans. And I, I know mm-hmm. for a fact you probably don't remember me because, you know, busy weekend. I'm sure I would remember if, you if I saw you. I'm good with faces, bad with names. Well, I'm, I think my profile picture that you're probably seeing on Zoom isn't helping very much. <laughs> Actually, I'm not so seeing how, it. Go oh. ahead. <laughs> so, so how have you been these days? Have I been? Uh, all things considered, um, I've managed to stay busy, healthy, and uh, life is good. Healthy is good. Yeah. So I'm 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 just gonna jump right into it, Gary. Okay. How did you first discover the Beatles? Um, it's 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 this is like a starting line of that that, that millions of people use, but it, it was seeing them as. Uh, a child watching the Ed Sullivan show on February 9th, 1964. Uh, that, really? that was, yeah, that was, that was my introduction. And, uh, and, and, you know, it was, was kind of cool. Um, all these years later, um, after being involved in different projects for Ringo, I had a, uh, a cousin uh, call me a few years back and she said, Gare, she goes, um, do you remember when we saw the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show? And I said, yeah, because it was my grandmother's 67th birthday right around that time. And, and the, and the mm-hmm. entire family got together at my uncle and aunt's house for her birthday. And it just so happened to, to be that, that evening that the Beatles were on the Ed Sullivan show. Mm-hmm. So uh, she said, um, my dad took some home movies and she says, and, I, and I, I'm going to send it to you. So in my mind, I was thinking, oh, good. He's, he's got a picture of all of us watching the television, you know, uh, seeing the Beatles on there. And, and, and it wasn't that. It was, it was prior to the show coming on that uh, uh, aunts and uncles had, had the, you know, the, the, I guess the first Beatle album. And they just kept playing it over and over on the uh, record player and, and, and the, the home video was of me and all my cousins and aunts and uncles dancing to the, to the Beatles song. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was just kind of cool for me because I'm saying, that's what I looked like then, you know? So, and, and I was seven years old. So but, you have but, documented proof of yeah. being a Beatles fan Yeah, that starting night. 
Yeah, and, and, and what was interesting, Ethan, is that um, you're, you know, people like, like me, uh, uh, being able to experience it live was uh, pretty cool. And I know everyone who is of different age groups has, you know, has, has uh, different stories as to how it changed them. But for me, I, um, I, was, just, I was just a little kid that, that didn't care anything about music. You know, I, I had uh, uh, no musical talents that I knew of. But I, you know, I was just, just hanging out with the kids in the neighborhood, riding my bikes, you know, th things like that. And, and that night, seeing them and, and it was seeing my parents and, and my family just staring at the TV, laughing, doing the typical, oh my God, those have to be wigs. You know, yeah. um, uh, it, it was it was so strange to see their their the reaction because it was so it was just so intense, and then I just started watching and listening to them on uh, on, on the show, and I got drawn in, and and I didn't really realize it, but I I was lasered in on on Ringo, and uh, uh, I was gonna say you're you're a drummer, so the the inevitable thing. How long after the Ed Sullivan show did you beg your parents to buy you a drum kit? Um, it, it actually started with the, the next day where uh, <laughs> they told me, and I remember um, that I, I was uh, given by my dad some like uh, empty metal coffee cans, and then he he used the can opener to take you know to take the bottom and top. Uh, 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 sections off when he put the plastic lid back on them. So, so I had a large one and a small one, which were really bongos, I, you know, technically. But yeah, yeah. for me, they were drums. And then he took two wooden spatulas uh, and cut off the spoon ends, and he, and he and he gave me those. So those were my first drumsticks. But that was like the next day. So, um, yeah, that immediate. Yeah, that immediate. Oh wow. Yeah. So, what was the first? Uh, you'd mentioned playing the Beatle record. What was the first? Beatle album or Beatle record that you remember owning? Uh, Meet the Beatles. That was the first one, and then the, and then the second Beatles album. Uh, yeah, we just just played them over and over and over and over. Which, as, as a Beatles history, you know, I, I don't want to say aficionado. It always bothers me when talking about the Beatles' second album, because if you really look at it, it was the Beatles' third album, if you count that VJ right. one. So it just, it, it's always bothered me for some reason. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, but I guess that was part of the difference between the uh, uh, UK releases, right, and the US releases and trying yeah. to start out at the beginning uh, before the Sullivan uh, appearance. So you, you started right in 64. What was it like, you know, listening to the Beatles as they evolved? Um, for me, that that's actually that's a good question because you know you, you got used to the uh, the first few albums, you know the high energy, and uh, you, you know you, you just you couldn't you couldn't wait for the next album to come out. But then as they started to evolve, you know just just as an example, take Rubber Soul, like you, <laughs> you get it, and then and mind you, I'm still just a little kid, but I'm going like I don't know if I like this. This is so weird. You know, it doesn't sound like them. But then you would um, uh, get drawn in, and next thing you know, you couldn't stop listening to that. Mm -hmm. Time it changed, you know, like Strawberry Fields and things like that. When when they came out, it was just such a weird, like, what is this? 
but then you found yourself just 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 loving it and you couldn't get enough it, it was it was a magical time especially when you had all the other music at that time on the radio and uh th that's living it living through it is when you could really uh notice the uh uh, uh the changes and and, and how different and dynamic everything was bit of a follow-up question uh, do you remember hearing Sergeant Pepper for the first time, and what was your, you know, reaction to that? Um, I don't remember listening it to the first time, but I had an experience <laughs> that's kind of funny, and, and I'll and I'll share it with you. I, I was um, uh, uh, dating a girl, you know, we were just just you know, teenagers, and uh, her her uh, older brother uh, was in the U.S. military, and he just came back from uh germany and uh, so so we're, we're at my my uh their, their home because uh and uh he said hey gary he goes you got to listen to sergeant pepper and, and he just brought back with him you know uh, uh state-of-the-art stereo and so i said yeah okay so um uh, he gave me something to smoke let's say okay and I never did that before, so I, I did it. And he's like, "Do you feel anything?" I said, "No." And uh, so he says, "Lay on the floor in in their in their kid uh, in their living room." So, so I did. And then he takes the two speakers and he puts one on each side of my uh, head, and he starts playing uh, "A Day in the Life." And then he's standing over me, looking down, and he says, "What do you think?" I'm going like. I don't know what you're talking about, you know, I was just, and he just kept laughing. And when it came to the part of the, um, you know, the orchestra build up and then came into the woke up, got out of bed. Uh, when it got to the, you know, the, the, the last part of yeah. uh, that, boom, I was gone. And I went oh. on the side and then he, and I must have had a look at my face because he just, he was just staring at me going like, okay, you're there. And so that was a unique experience where it was like, wow, okay, now I know what it was like listening to it normally, and I know what it was like listening to it on something. Yeah, something that may or may not be legal in all of Canada <laughs> yeah. now. So, what, where were you when you found out that the Beatles had broken up? Um, well, living here in the Buffalo, New York area, and... Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I took that very hard. You know, it was like like I, I didn't want to I didn't want to believe it. <laughs> so um, uh, yeah, it was it, it was it was it was very very emotional. You know, and, and you found yourself that when you know like uh, when when McCartney's McCartney album came out, you know, you're listening to it and uh, um, and, and um, you're, you're dying for news to. Uh, to hear that, oh my God, maybe Ringo played on some of it. You know, maybe John did. Maybe, you know, maybe they'll get back together. <laughs> and with all the rumors and things that were going on that time, it was always always like a little carrot dangling in front of you. Yeah, because I mean, after that whole Paul is dead rumor, anything yeah. was fair game. Mm -hmm. So, as as of right now, what do the Beatles mean to you? Um. Actually, they, they mean a lot. I, I mentioned uh, over the weekend I did another talk show, and and, and I said that uh, um, there there really isn't a day that goes by where I don't you know in some fashion think about them. You know, uh, whether it's because of projects I'm working on, uh, or just hearing them on the radio, hearing them on Sirius. Uh, uh, 
but but they're always lurking you know so tune into channel 18 the beatles channel yeah i'm not i'm not being paid <laughs> to say this i just like the channel yeah it is good but um yeah, yeah so, so they're, all, they're always um they're a big big part of my life um so you're a drummer Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think makes Ringo's drumming special? Because uh, a lot of people who aren't drummers try and describe it, and but I don't think they're able to, you know, understand it. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I, I have a hard time describing it, too. Uh, I, I talk to a lot of people that are uh, uh, very well, you know, uh, dialed in professional drummers that, that read music and things like that and, 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 and play with a lot of uh, um, famous people, you know, uh, work in recording studios, go out on tour. And uh, everyone, everyone has their own way of trying to describe it, but it's, it's, um, uh, it's hard to put into, it's very hard to put into words. The, the one thing that I find myself saying is that um, having the opportunity of, of watching him play, you know, and uh, actually a few times standing right behind him while he's playing. You know, you're watching his uh, hand movements, uh, uh, his arm movements, his, you know, the, the, uh, his feet, all, you know, all the little things, you know, he's, how he's hitting the cymbals. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's just something there. And, and, and it's like if you took uh, – if you took three great guitar players and you gave each the same guitar and told each to play the same song, you're going to have, uh, hopefully, <laughs> one of them that is just going to stand out. And, 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 and everyone will say, what is it? What is it that whenever you know this guy plays, it sounds so much better and it just draws you in? And it's just the soul and the feel. Ringo just has that it factor. It's, it's like- hard to explain. You can buy Eric Clapton's guitars, but you won't sound yeah. like Eric Clapton because you're not Eric Clapton. Yeah, that's exactly it. So, um, so Ringo just has this 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 hard to describe formula, you know, from uh, the little things of being left-handed. He's also ambidextrous. You know, his, his hands are very very quick. You know, he, he was a hand player, wrist player, not a not an arm player. You know, and um, <laughs> Uh, and just his thought process of, of what he would give a song, uh, you know, he made it his own. And, and I, you know, I, I truly believe that, you know, now that time has gone by, that uh, McCartney was a big influence, you know, uh, mm-hmm. with, with what he wanted, you know, in his direction to Ringo. But even though Ringo would, would, would take that direction, he would make it his own. And, and, and he would do something that even... Uh, Paul couldn't replicate just because of the mm-hmm. little intricacies that, that um, were part of him. The closest I've heard to ever uh, describing the feel of Ringo, you, you saw that video, I think you even set up the kit for it, of all the famous drummers yeah. talking mm-hmm. about Ringo. Uh, and it was Abe Laboreal Jr., Paul McCartney's drummer, set, called it uh, this swampy, sloppy, falling down the stairs kind of sound. Exactly. And I think it was Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters described his hi-hat technique as kind of washing the windshield. <laughs> and, exactly you know, as a drummer myself, that yeah, I've, I feel like I've kind of picked up on a lot of Ringo's mannerisms just 
you know, as a result of growing up watching video of Ringo drumming. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I drum with the wrist. I, I do that washing the windshield thing. I'm a, I play sloppy, even though Ringo's not a sloppy drummer. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, uh, and some of his fills, they're, they're just absolutely amazing and, and hard to um, replicate. And then on top of that... You know the the other cool thing that that I that I that I just love is he 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 basically just you know he was a minimalist he he <laughs> used the same gear I, I learned that he did change up symbols you know more more than uh, people uh, might imagine but really with his yeah yeah but with with, with his creativity of you know early on. Uh, especially around the help era, you know, like he just had like the heads uh, so tight, you know, on, on his uh, snare and, and toms and, you know, and, and the change-ups of, of loosening up the snare or, or losing, loosening the heads, taking the bottoms off, you know, the toms, um, tea towels, uh, <laughs> you know, just the sounds that he got just add to his personality of playing. And it's just absolutely amazing. I actually didn't know that he changed out symbols that much. I thought they were just, you know, the same. Well, yeah, everyone but, just always said, you know, hey, Ringo just had, uh, you know, 14-inch hi-hats, maybe 15, and, you know, a 20-inch crash ride and an 18-inch crash ride, you know, all Zildjian A's. But um, I think it was way beyond that. You know, at the beginning, uh, you know, he had uh, um, Ajax, you know, uh, left over <laughs> from his premiere, and he even went back to... Um, his, his first Ajax kit that he bought and symbols, you know, were, were uh, many, many Zildjian, but he also had uh, pasty, which is the way Ringo says it. <laughs> and uh, even uh, uh, his son, Zach said that uh, um, uh, his dad used super Zins. And, and I haven't found any of those yet um, or, or even in photos, but uh but what Ringo also used just a plain Zin, and and uh, uh, that surprised me because uh, they're, they're not really a, a high end brand. But but yeah. um, he did use that. Well, that's the kind of thing with the Beatles. Uh, a lot of their gear, well, mainly in the early days, wasn't particularly high end. You know, there was the Hofner bass, the the Gretsch Country Gentleman. I think the most expensive one would have been the Rickenbacker. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Beatles worked with what they had. Yeah, which was amazing because you, I'm, I'm sure that, that uh, uh, there's many people like Rickenbacker, you know, that, that, that presented them all their other guitars and things to try, but they always just seemed to uh, stay with what uh, got, got them to the dance. Right? And, uh, and, and they just made it work. It's absolutely amazing. So, Gary, what can you tell us about the BBC band? Um, the, it's a local band here in Buffalo. We we started, uh, um, or, or the band actually started just just as uh, uh, um, having fun. I, I put an ad in a local uh, on a local website for music, and I just said, um, "Hey." looking for Beatle fanatics that would like to get together to do a, a Beatle jam. And I had a facility. So people just started showing up and, uh, 
some of the talent really uh, uh, that, that walked through the door was like uh, amazing. And it reached a point, to be honest, <laughs> where, where we, we had, you had some guys that were great, some guys that were just like basement players and uh, couldn't sing well, couldn't play well. And, I guess that uh, makes me a basement player. <laughs> well, but, but you know what would happen would be like, you know, the, 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 the professional people or the quality people, like they would sing part of a Beatles song and then they would back away from the mic uh, uh, naturally, just to allow somebody else to sing a few verses. But, but it, it just seemed that, that the ones that, that, that um, couldn't really play or sing would, you know, grab the mic and, and wouldn't, would, would never give it up. So, so I reached a point where we were starting to lose, some people were starting to lose interest um, because of it. And I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings or bust their uh, balloons. So it was like, you know what, instead of meeting every other Tuesday, um, let's make it Thursday. But <laughs> it's just going to be, you know, us, you know, so, so uh, uh, that's what we did. And, and, and the music just kept getting better and better. And we, and we just said, guys, you know, we, we know we're not here. To, to start a band but this is like too good not to um uh play out and everyone agreed and and, and that and that's how we started so uh, i want to ask you because you know this is just you're, you're the first person i've had on the show who's been directly involved working with a beetle yeah uh how did you first get involved with uh ringo um um, there's no, there's no short story, but um, I'll, I'll try to make it short. Was no, a long story's fine. Oh, okay, well, I guess first it goes back to 2008. I, uh, I was, was, was with my wife when we went over to the, um, uh, was it the Avalon uh, Theater? Ringo was playing over at the, uh, uh, the Niagara Falls, uh, like Casino Niagara. Okay. And, um, uh, and, and I just I, had a. I feel bad that I don't know the name off the top of my head. I'm very familiar with that Niagara Buffalo area as a, a Canadian who likes to partake in cross border activities. Yeah. Well, this time I was on your side. Oh, so, okay. it, it, and that's where Ringo was. He was actually. I heard that was he it was. Was it the Seneca? No, not the Seneca. Uh, um, Casino Niagara. Okay. Yeah, in, 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 in Niagara Falls, Ontario. So okay. um, I, I, I heard that he was um, actually rehearsing there for a week and then uh, and he was kicking off his summer tour uh, starting there. And, and I thought, oh, my God, he's right here in my backyard. So I then heard on the radio that he was going to be having a, um, a press conference in the morning and, the, and that the All-Star Band was going to do like a, a, a brief set you know, for, for the media, uh, all with kicking off his, his summer tour. So I found a small newspaper on my side of the border, you know, in, 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 in Tanawanda. And I just said, what? Um, I would love to cover this story for you guys. So they gave me permission. They gave me the paperwork. And so I went there, I got in and uh, was able to be there for the press conference. And, uh, uh, which was just cool in itself. And uh, so, so the day of their first, the following day was their first performance. So I went back, had, had tickets, my wife and I were there and I had uh, a t-shirt made for Ringo uh, 
that I wanted to give to him, and and there was there was no way security was so tight, <laughs> and uh, and and it just so happened that um, uh, one of the band members was walking uh, through the lobby of the uh, uh, casino, and. Um, uh, I, <laughs> I went up to him and I just said, hey, can you give this, this T-shirt to Ringo? And he said, yeah, I'll do it. And uh, uh, he landed up giving it to a gentleman by the name of Jeff Chonis, who's uh, Ringo's drum tech. And he's been Ringo's drum tech for, I think, 39 years now. <laughs> so uh, um, it was like, okay, well, that's done. You know, my wife's name is Cindy. I said, so what do we do now? And she was, I don't know, you want to get something to eat? So I said, all right. So we go to a restaurant. There's a, there's like a, a diner, you know, just with, with stools. And uh, uh, and when we walk in, I, I just noticed, I said, oh, my God, there's that's Ringo's drum tech. That's Jeff Chonis right there. So Cindy said, well, there's two seats, stools next to him. Let's sit down next to him. And I said, no, nah, I don't want to bother him. So she goes, go ahead, sit down. So we, we do. He looks at me, he says, hi. And then I do the, uh, hey, you look familiar. And um, uh, we started a conversation. I tell him about the uh, 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 T-shirt, and then he just and he's he had it on his lap. You know, he just said, "Is this it?" And I said, "Yeah, that's it." And he goes, "Yeah." He goes, "So and so gave it to me and told me to get it to Ringo." So, uh, so that started our relationship. <laughs> and um, uh, when the sh- just before the show started. We had front row seats. We're sitting there, and Cindy said, "Hey, Jeff is looks like he's looking for you." And I said, "Where is he?" And he goes, he, and "He's standing by Ringo's drums, and he just seems like he's trying to 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 to, to see who is in, who's coming in from the audience." And then he saw me, and then he waves me over. He comes to the front of the stage, and he pulls out a pair of uh, uh, drumsticks, and uh, he said, "Hey." He goes, uh, thanks for the the, the, the uh, shirt. These are from, for, from you know from Ringo. So he gives me oh, these. Wow. Yeah, and then I and, and it was funny because when he gave them to me, when he pulled them out of his back pocket, other people came up to the stage thinking he was giving them out to everybody. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so you know, Jeff goes, no, 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 these are for this guy right here. And so I, I he gave me the, the the sticks, and I just turned around looked at Cindy and, and I started crying and, and it was like huge going like, I can't believe that, you know, this just happened. So to me that, that was enormous. <laughs> and, uh, when I look, think about that today, that's kind of like, uh, it, it grounds me because with all the things that happened since and actually being friends with Ringo now and the, doing all the things I've done, there's just like, what a ride who gets this. Uh, for some of the people at home, what are some of the things that you have done since with Ringo? Okay. Yeah, well, um, to start with, when I, uh, uh, it was in 2000, the end of 2012, I got a call from the Grammy Museum in Los Angeles. And a very nice person uh, said, um, hey, I got a little something to tell you. It's in confidence, but um, uh, if you'll bear with me, you know, he, he said, uh, uh, my name is Jerry Busek, and um, I'm, I'm working at the Grammy Museum. And he goes, and we we signed an agreement with Ringo and Barbara to do an exhibit on Ringo's life. And the exhibit's going to be called Ringo: Peace and Love. And they're loaning us a lot of personal items and a lot of items that Ringo has from his Beatle years. And among them is uh, uh, his uh, uh, drum kit 
that he used on the Ed Sullivan show and then the maple kit that he used towards the end of the uh, uh, Beatles uh, career. And uh, so we have, uh, we've run into a problem. You know, he, he gave us permission to, to have those. When we called his estate in London, uh, they're telling us, well, we've got Beatle drums, but nothing's organized. We don't know what's what. We don't know what, you know, drum goes with what drum to make the proper kit. Mm-hmm. Don't even know if we have all the parts. <laughs> so they, they started Googling, looking for information. And all I kept finding was um, a website that I had created called ringosbeetlekits.com. And, and, and they called me saying, can you, can you help us try to figure this out and put these kits together? And, and that's how it started for me, that that was, mm-hmm. that was the beginning. So you, you actually helped them piece together the different Ringo kits. Yeah, and first it was just focusing on, on the, uh, uh, the, the two that I had mentioned. And the more I got involved, you know, I, I could see like the maple kit really wasn't in good shape. Um, it was just stored improperly and, and a lot of the hardware, the lugs and things were just like corroded and oxidized and just like deeply pitted and just, just ruined. Um, and, and I just said, guys, this is terrible. And, you know, none of the, none of the kits had a front bass drum head. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and so uh, we couldn't find even hardware, you know, and, and, and I, I just said, you can't, you can't uh, present these iconic kits like this. I mean, it's the Beatles, it's Ringo. Mm-hmm. So I, I said, I, I have a plan. I, you know, um, we didn't cover this in this conversation, but I, you know, with all the research I did, literally over decades, I also collected like um, uh, Beatles, you know, Ringo, Ringo drum kits and gear, all specific to what he used. You know, same mm-hmm. year, same same like models and things. So, so I, I had, I had. Uh, an entire collection of drum kits that matched his, and so what I offered to do, I, I said, "Why don't Why don't you allow me to provide whatever is needed uh, to make Ringo's kits whole again?" So we just focused on those first two drums. Uh, Ringo was really impressed, and then uh, and then it led to, "Hey, you know what? Um, can you do it to the to, to the remaining kits that Ringo has?" And it lands up that out of the six drum kits that Ringo used during his career with the Beatles. He still owned five of them at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I was able to restore uh, all five to bring them back to life. And, um, and, and that uh, uh, included uh, uh, them allowing me to document his kits, um, to dive into the history. And uh, with the help of Jeff Jonas and another great person named Scott Ritchie, who is uh, Barbara and Ringo's personal assistant, Mm-hmm. Um, we just worked as a team to, uh, to get it done, and and uh, uh, in in my relationship with Ringo, you know, whenever we had the opportunity to talk, he would he would provide me with information that was like golden, and 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 for me to be such a geek on this, yeah, to talk to him and to have him say certain things, you know, that that uh, you know, I'm thinking like. God, you don't even realize you're giving me gold. You're giving me information that no one's ever heard before, and <laughs> and and he would give me you know a, a pieces that I'd be able to do more research on. And, and it was like, wow, I always thought it was this, but it's actually that. And uh, um, 
yeah, so, so, so I just obtained a, a lot of knowledge on a very deep level for the geekiest of geeks <laughs> on this stuff, <laughs> um, which is just mind blowing. And, 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 and I, you know, to be honest, I feel great. Uh, you know, many times people go through life thinking, why am I here? And it wasn't until I got involved um, with, with Ringo doing what I'm doing to, to um, for myself, feel that this is my purpose to, to actually protect and document uh, this portion of the Beatles, you know, the, 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 the drum side and, and, and to have things uh, um, set for future generations, you know, should, should the kids be placed in museums or wherever, at least I know that it's uh, everything will be accurate and um, accounted for. So you said the two kits were the uh, maple rooftop, what was it, the Hollywood? Yeah. Yeah, and then the uh, Ed Sullivan kit. Now, if my memory serves me correct, wasn't the drum head sold separately? Like, yeah, it was. How- sold in, it was sold in. What happened uh, is uh, um, that Ed Sullivan head, the, the one that was seen uh, on on a show, that was made specifically for. Uh, when the when the Beatles performed here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and uh, uh, when they went back when the Beatles went back to uh, uh, England, uh, the drum kit uh, was refurbished. You know, they they took off the Ed Sullivan head and put on a, a, a fresh one because that drum kit was actually used and and uh, uh, the movie set for a hard day's night and uh, uh, it looks like uh, Mel Evans uh, took the head home with him and when you think about things in perspective whoever thought the Beatles would be what they are you know back in you know March of 64 so um, he had it um, uh, and his wife sold it at auction it was bought by a gentleman by the name of Russ Lease Russ Lease of uh, Beatle suits right Exactly. Yeah. So he so he bought it and uh, and sold it in November of 2015 to Jim Ursay, the owner of the ah. Indianapolis Colts, and he mm-hmm. he bought it for two million fifty thousand dollars. And then a, a a month later, he bought uh, Ringo's first Ludwig drum kit for two point one million. The thing and, that I've uh, I've seen pictures of his his collection, and what always irritates me is seeing that he has the uh, Ed Sullivan head on a kind of fake bass drum, but it's right in front of the actual bass yeah. drum head on the Ringo kit. Yeah, it, it, that's frustrating. The, the, on the actual Ringo kit, it's uh, Russ. What, what, what happened was when I was um, putting the, uh, the five kits together, uh, I contacted Russ and um, we commissioned him to replicate the correct head uh, drop T logo for, for each one of the uh, uh, drum kits that Ringo had. So uh, I think Ursa knew that that was just a reproduction okay. and, and that's why he you know did what he did or does what he does. Cause, cause it because right now the kit's on display in Los Angeles at the Creative Arg- uh, Artists Agency, CAA. Oh. And um, I set it up there in November 
along with Jeff Chonis uh, of last year. And it's going to be on display or remain on display until November of uh, the beginning of November of uh, this year. So if anyone has a chance while they're out in L.A. and um, bar this COVID, COVID thing, um, you can go there five days a week for free to see it on display right in the lobby. That that Jim Irsay guy does... I don't know if he's really good with money or really bad with money. Because every, every month, it seems, you see some headline like, didn't he just pay $4 million for the David Gilmore Stratocaster? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, I, 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 I've been in his office where he has all of these... Um, uh, historical rock memorabilia, and it's just absolutely amazing. He also has four, four other Beatle guitars. He, he's he's got uh, um, what does he have? Uh, I know he has one Gretsch. of John's. I know he's got a Rickenbacker. Yeah, he's, oh, he's yeah, got the, the Rickenbacker the he, that was sold at the Ringo auction. Yeah, for seven hundred ninety thousand. Oh, Jesus. He's, he's got a 12-string acoustic that George used on My Sweet Lord for that recording. He's got that, uh, I think it was a Vox uh, guitar. Oh, the Vox kit. Kensington, I think. Yeah, that sounds like a sitar. Yeah. Okay, is that is that what you're thinking? Because that's the I one think I was so. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so so he's got an amazing, he's got an amazing collection along with you oh, know, he's also got the SG, the George Harrison SG. There you go. Yeah, you know more than me. Yeah, but, and, and, I, and I remember seeing it. But you know what's interesting about his... Don't even his... say that as a joke. I really don't. <laughs> How's this for cool? So he's got all this displayed in his uh, huge office. And um, to the right of his, uh, where he's got the drum kit set up, it, it's kind of like a la... The Ed Sullivan show, just the way it's decorated. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but to, to the right of the kit is an, uh, a, a beautiful uh, old like record player console, and um, you lift the lid, and uh, there's uh, uh, on, on the inside of the the, uh, the wood top on the lid. There, there's uh, a five actual Beatles 45s and each one has a red button in the center and I was told go ahead press press one of the buttons and I said all right what's going to happen they said just press one so I did and I it, I landed up not knowing but I selected the one for the drums but what happens is press the button all the lights dim in the office and the uh, lighting around the drums illuminates and behind it behind the drum kit on, on a wall is a big uh, high def screen, and uh, are taking a video with the audio of of the Beatles, and it's Ringo playing that kit. And if you press any of the other buttons, you know, like like the SG, you know, that would illuminate, and everything else would be dark, and then there would be the Beatles with George playing uh, that guitar. So it was just like the, it's just amazing what you can do when you have billions. Oh my God, that is yeah. awesome. Oh yeah, it's more than awesome. When you, I mean, telling it is one thing; seeing it uh, and experiencing it is like off the charts. I mean, I've seen pictures of his office, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking, "Damn, I want Indianapolis Colts money." Because <laughs> imagine just having the money to just like, yeah. oh, okay, John Lennon's guitar's up for auction. Buy it. Oh, Ringo's yeah. drums. Buy it. 
That's awesome. Yeah, and another uh, little story was that when when that auction took place, uh, there was a snare drum uh, that actually came with uh, Ringo's uh, Sullivan kit, and uh, uh, Ringo always used the the, the jazz festival for, jazz festival from his first uh, Ludwig kit, the '63 mm-hmm. downbeat, and um, even though that the, the uh, 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 the, the, the snare drum from the Sullivan kit was worn. Uh, you know, I talked to Ringo about it. He said, you know, it might have been used for uh, overdubbing. And uh, and and the, when I did the research, I found that uh, actually Paul McCartney used that one uh, for his McCartney album, and it, and he actually had that snare up until 1982. Uh, you know, from '69 to '82 before he returned that and the rest of the drums he borrowed from Ringo. So, uh, so, so there's a lot of history there. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, uh, what had happened at, at, at the auction in December, uh, Jim Mercer didn't buy that snare drum and it sold for 75,000. And I, 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 you know, I, I guess after the fact, you know, he was, uh, he asked uh, the person that was responsible for the auction is like, hey, why didn't you buy that snare drum? And, and and it was like, well, I was told by your COO that you 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 were right at the end of the your budget for for the auction, and I and you you know I, so I didn't get it. And um, but ring, uh, but he landed up see, uh, seeking the person out that did buy it, and he bought it from him. So, oh wow! <laughs> yeah, so he's got that as well. Um. So how did um, a couple years ago was it a year or two ago? Uh, Ludwig and came up with the uh, Star Festival snare, and you were kind of the brains behind that. How yeah. did that come about? Um, I just, well, I, I was just so fascinated about Ringo's snare drum, you know, especially being, you know, five and a half inches uh, deep, and it, 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 it just, it's, it's just such a rarity, you know, um, no matter how it happened. I mean, it, it just, you know, five inches uh, in depth was what. Um, uh, the snare uh, was supposed to be, and um, you know, since Ringo used it predominantly, you know, through his career with the Beatles, I mean, there's like so many songs that that's tied to, you know, and and all the concert performances, uh, you know, the, the the movies, and so it's just a very historical piece, and I, I that, that just blew me away uh, uh, um, to document that and to find out all I did. And to know that it's so rare because you don't you just don't find those snare drums they're, they're just like hens yeah. and uh, uh so i just had this thought of oh my god wouldn't it be great i mean if you just like reproduce this head or, or the, the the snare drum so um i, I mentioned it to you know to, to scotty and to jeff you know and what they thought and um it just they didn't really seem to give an answer so uh, um, a, a friend of mine named Steve Bryant, who, who is the publisher of uh, Classic Drummer Magazine, you know, we were talking about it. And then he goes, you know, why don't we put together a, like a PowerPoint presentation and, um, and you can present it to Ringo's attorney and, and see if maybe we can do something and raise money for uh, Ringo's Lotus Foundation. I said, That's a great idea. So we, we put together a PowerPoint and then I, I send it by email to, to Jeff separately. And then I send it to Scotty and I said, hey, let me know what you think of this. Um, 
you know, either tweak it or shoot it down, but, you know, let me know. So Scotty calls me immediately and he goes, is this this thing you keep talking about? I said, yeah. So he goes, well, I'm, I'm looking at it, your PowerPoint right now. And he goes, so he goes, what do we got? You know, so I go through it with him and he says, ah, this is too long. It, Gary, you know, he goes, I got, I got to go. So I said, I go, okay, but we'll, we'll call me when you have some time. And um, it had to be less than 45 minutes. He calls me back and he said, hey, you're all set. And I go, We're all, oh, you, you want to go over the PowerPoint now? And he goes, no, you're all set. And I go, what do you mean I'm all set? And he goes, Ringo approved it. I go, what'd you do? What'd you do? I go, what do you mean he approved it? And he says, um, I showed him your PowerPoint. He goes, he and Barbara were just in the living room. So I just slid next to him on the couch and just said, hey, Gary's got a cool idea. And he made a few suggestions that I'll share with you. And he goes, but you're golden. So I go, so what do I do now? Do I contact uh, Ringo's attorney? And he goes, no, no, just make them. I go, seriously? He goes, yeah. He goes, Gary, you're, you're good. I go, why, why would he, why would he, why would he do this? And he goes, because he loves you and he trusts you. So just, just make them. <laughs> and I was like, wow. So I uh, thought this is real. So I had to contact Ludwig, uh, met with them, uh, flew down or drove down. Um, we had a, a, like a board meeting really. And uh, I just showed them the same presentation that I, that Ringo saw. And they were just like, we're in. And um uh, and, and, and that's how it happened. So I, I was just um, blown away uh, by, uh, 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 th yeah, the, the, the whole project. It was just amazing. That just being waved through instantly, pretty much, that, that, what, that's got to be one of the best feelings in the world. Yeah, it's just, um, I, I just, just tell you, I'm just, I'm just blessed every time I think that um, uh, my life can't get better or, or, or uh, there's not going to be any more projects, things just keep happening. And it's funny because when I got done, you know, backing up, when I got done with the uh, Grammy Museum, you know, I, I was told by Jeff, you know, and, and some of the other people, it's like, Gare, um, thanks for helping with this. You're, you're part of the family now. And then that, even though that felt so good, uh, in my head, I was going negative thinking, you know, I live in Buffalo, I'm not here in LA. And um, there's what else is there for me to do? You know, so I think I'm just going to kind of fade off into the sunset and just have the memories of what I did. <laughs> but, um, you know, that that's when things started to change, you know, going back to what I was talking about earlier, you know, things just kind of got quiet for a short while. And then I would get a call from, uh, you know, Ringo's team, you know, whether it's Jeff or Scotty, and it would be, uh, hey, we got a project for you. And I go, what? And he goes, we want you to document this, the, the kits and finish up the other one. You know, so he's like, really? You know, and then I'd be like over the over the moon, you know, going like, oh my God, I can't believe this, you know, and uh, um, it just kept going on and on and on, even even with like the posters that I have. You know, <laughs> we, we did a poster um, uh, for uh, Ringo's Jazz Festival, you know, and um, uh, then I asked permission if I could do one for uh, all of his Beatle kits, like a timeline poster. And <laughs> Ringo, you know, gave me the go ahead for that. So um, I was talking to Scotty and uh, he said, you know, he goes, why don't you, why don't you find like a, uh, a graphic artist to put something together? You know, and I said, okay, I go, that would be good. Fresh ideas, you know, somebody that's not a drummer, or whatever. So I just have a different perspective. So I knew a person here locally. 
and so she puts she puts something together and she takes a, and, and Scotty provided the photos he's also a professional photographer and um, uh, he includes some extra photos just to give her some artistic liberties and she <laughs> takes a picture of Ringo and I standing behind his first Ludwig kit the one that was auctioned off <laughs> and then she just like crops out the background and she inserts that into her first draft of the poster and uh, she she emails it out to say hey have a look at this and when I saw it I, I, I freaked I, my heart started pounding I got real nervous and I, and I, I called her and I said Carla you can't do that don't you can't put me and Ringo on a poster I go I, you're gonna get me booted out of uh, um, this inner circle you know the, the People are just going to, you know, think, and Ringo's going to think, oh, here we go. It didn't take long. Now Gary's thinking, oh, you know, look at me. Look at me with Ringo. <laughs> and I go, please take it off. And then she said, Kara, you're not looking at it the way I am. She goes, you're part of history now with the drum kits. I go, I am not. I go, so just please take it off. And uh, uh, shortly after that conversation, Scotty calls, and I see his number, and I'm going, I, and I was nervous going like, Oh my God! I, I don't want to pick this up. Oh, and, here we uh, go. Yeah. So so I I I uh, I go. Hey, how are you? And he goes. Hey, I saw the poster. And I go. Yeah. And he goes. Um, you're good with it. And I go. What? And he goes. Yeah. Ringo thinks it's pretty cool. He goes. You're you're good to go. He goes. So um, as long as you think all the wording and everything is okay, he goes. You can go with. It. I go. Scotty, I go, I did not do this thing with me and Ringo on there. And he goes, no, I think it's cool. And I was like, wow. So it was like the same conversation. But why would he do this? Yeah. And it was like, because he trusts you, Gary. He loves you. And um, after all this time, I, I, I honestly know it's like he does, you know. So yeah. it's it was hard to accept. I guess I just kept feeling insecure and unworthy. But um, Ringo's been very, very good to me. So I, I saw something, I think it was on your Facebook the other day, uh, something about the Abbey Road crosswalk jacket. Um, yeah. Could you elaborate on that? Yeah, yeah, another story. I get a call from Scotty, and uh, uh, it was like beginning of the year, this year, and uh, <laughs> he said, hey, um, I've heard that, that the guy that owns Ringo's crosswalk jacket, who's Russ Lee's, mm -hmm. um, is considering putting it up for auction uh, it, it, uh, uh, in April of this year. I said, really? Nice to know. Well, that's cool. And he said, um, you know him, right, Russ? And I said, of course I do. So he said, uh, Ringo would like to have it back. He goes, why don't you see if there's anything you know you, you could do? And I go, well, what am I supposed to do? And he goes, just massage him. And he goes, just, just see if he'll do the right thing. <laughs> and um, so I said, okay, well, I'll call Russ. You know, so I did. And then, you know, Russ just said, um, well, you know, because Gary, you know, because I um, I bought this as an investment and, uh, you know, uh, I'd like to get it back to him. But, you know, there, there would be a price you know, attached to it. And, and long story short, you know, we were negotiating and then um, I called, you know, Scotty back, give him updates. And, uh, and and then he said, feel free to offer him other things. I go like, what? He goes, whatever, you, you know, um, whatever you feel comfortable offering. So I'm going like, well, what does that mean? 
you know, mm-hmm. so I to Russ and I just said, um, hey, uh, how about this? I go, what if, um, you know, you, you give the jacket back and uh, we'll set up something uh, with Ringo photo op, you know, it'd be kind of a cool story. And, uh, you know, then it was, you know, in addition to that, what if I get you invited to Ringo's birthday party? You know, and, and in addition to that, Ringo's going to be touring this year, so um, you know I can get you backstage, and um, uh, uh, we, we just couldn't make anything work. And so, out of frustration, I had a conversation with a, a friend of mine, uh, uh, and I, I, I shared you know what was going on, and, and I said I just feel like I'm letting uh, Ringo down with 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 this. You know, and I says, I go, I can't believe I was asked to massage <laughs> uh, the, 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 uh, 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 this this conversation. I go, but now it lands up, I'm the guy negotiating it. And I, <laughs> I go, so I got this is out of my wheelhouse. And uh, my friend, um, who's a successful business person, said, you know what? He goes, um, call call the guy and, and, uh, and buy it. And I go, yeah, yeah buy it. And, and he goes, I'm going to buy it. I go, what do you mean? And he goes, I'm going to buy it. And we're going to give it to Ringo. I go, seriously? He goes, it, Ringo should have it. It's his jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it, just, it was a little negotiating, but uh, but I uh, made the deal and got the jacket. And I uh, um, uh, told, Scott, <laughs> told Scotty, you know, I said, hey, I said, we got an early birthday present for Ringo. And he goes, what do you mean, we? What's going on? So I, I told him, and he couldn't believe it. You know, so I said, so I go, you're, I go, the, uh, uh, Robert is the, the gentleman's name, Robert Bird. And <laughs> I said, so I go, uh, Robert is kind enough where he says, this guy is a team effort. He goes, so you're the one who alerted me to this, you know, and uh, so the three of us played a part in it. So, this, we're giving this to Ringo, the three of us, as a uh, early birthday gift. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so we set up a date, and uh, we had the uh, the jacket uh, gift wrapped in a beautiful box. And this is kind of funny. Um, um, you get to his house, Ringo's very welcoming, and uh, uh, I walk up you know, to him and uh, he puts his arms out and he goes, give me a hug, brother, you know, so I give him a big hug. And, uh, and, and he always does that with me mm-hmm. um, um, up until the COVID point. <laughs> but, um, and then so Robert, who, who knows Ringo, but they, they, they didn't at the time know each other that well. He, he comes up to Ringo and uh, Ringo, instead of hugging him, throws out his elbow and just says, elbow bump, no one germs. And, and, I, and I, in my head, I'm thinking, oh, my God, the guy just spent a boatload of money and this happens. How embarrassing. So, um, so we go into the house and Ringo uh, uh, starts unwrapping the, the box and, and we had little stars on it. And uh, so he takes off the, the, the stars and then he comes up to me and he puts one on my jacket, the, the jacket I was wearing, and he does the same for uh, Robert. <laughs> so then he opens the lid and then there's like decorative tissue paper uh, uh, inside the box covering the jacket. Mm-hmm. So when Ringo takes off the lid and he looks inside, he goes, oh, how nice you got me 
He goes, wrapping, a box of wrapping paper. You know, so, and that's him because he just jokes all the time. So he's like, no, 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 come on. I go, well, I'll, I'll remove the wrapping paper. So he does, and he just sees this folded uh, jacket inside. So he just looks in and he goes, oh, you got me a black jacket. And he starts to pull it out of the box, and then both Robert and I are looking at him, going like, "No, no, no, no! That's history. You know, that's your jacket. You know, that's the Abbey Road jacket." And then he's like, "What?" And and he, he's holding it by the shoulders, and it unfurls. And then he goes, "This is the Abbey Road jacket." I go, "Yes. You know, that, that's that's what you got." So he um, puts his arm through one of the sleeves, and he says, I got short arms. This fits just right. He goes, this is my jacket. And I said, yes, it's your, it's your jacket. So he puts it on, and he goes silent. He just, he's not really saying anything. And he was like, he was just speechless. He didn't know, he didn't know how to process it. Mm-hmm. And then he starts walking, and then however it happened, we just start walking behind him in a, in a row. And then he just said, Let's walk like we're crossing Abbey Road. <laughs> and uh, uh, we walk outside. Uh, we had uh, the, the, the picture taken that you saw. And, um, uh, and and Ringo just talked a little bit and he disappeared. And then Barbara came out and then she just said, uh, guys, she goes, thank you so much for what you've done. You just made my husband very, very happy. And it's like, well, that's cool. You know, and, that, and I look at Robert and I said, well, I, I think that that's it. I go, you happy with this? He goes, oh, my God, I'm more than happy. And then Ringo comes back out and uh, we found out later he had to compose himself. He went in the house, was looking at himself wearing the jacket in the mirror. And uh, Scotty went in to, to check on him and Ringo was very emotional. And he just kept saying, I, I can't believe they did this for me. And wow. um, uh yeah, and, and as of last Gary, week, you almost made, I think you made a beetle cry. Yeah, yeah, and speechless. So, um, uh, you know, and, and with that, that whole story, I mean, I guess for me, with everything that I've done, it's uh, I, I could never give back uh, for all the uh, joy that he's given me, and um, to be able to do that, it's just it's it's just um, it just makes me happy. So. I think every one of us out there would love to be able to do something like that for Ringo, but to actually yeah. be able to, you know, give him a piece of his own history back is just phenomenal. Oh yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was. Yeah, I, I can't put it into words, and then to, and to even, you know, have the. Uh, uh, the jacket in hand prior to turning it over to him was, you know, it's like, well, this is it, you know? And then it's like, then you start getting nervous going like, Oh my God, I can't keep this in the house, you know? So, uh, (laughs) then I I just had it for a short period of time and then send it off to, uh, uh, Robert who lives in Oregon. And, um, uh, yeah, and he he was the same way. And then, and that's why it was just like, we got to get this to Ringo as soon as possible. I'm going to hit you with some quick fire questions. Yeah. What is your favorite Beatles song? It depends on my mood. <laughs> it really does. What is your mood yeah, right so, so. now? Uh, right now, what would I say? Like, um, Roll Over Beethoven. That would be a good one. What is your least favorite Beatles song? Honey Pie. Good choice. What, <laughs> what's your favorite Beatles album? 
Um, Abbey Road. Because of the jacket? Um, no, just because of the complexity of the songs. It just, you know, like they were so matured at the time and, and so, it, so different. Ringo's drumming, I did just find impeccable on that album. What's your favorite, or what's your least favorite Beatles album? Um, I don't have a least. Well, I, you know what? I, actually, I would say, uh, uh, what is the, uh, wait. The, the the one that I don't even know what the name is. Uh, the the one that with with uh, that was done for Yellow Submarine. You it's know, just, just Yellow because, Submarine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that one is supposed to be just because of all the instrumental on the B side. Okay. What's your favorite Ringo song? Um, boy, once again, it's just like it's all over the map. I mean, Long Tall Sally. I I would say just because of what Ringo does at the end of that song. And lastly, what is your favorite Ringo album? Um, Sentimental Journey. Really? The yeah. first one? Yeah. Yeah. And now, I, I just like that one just for the reasons that he did that for his mother. And, um, uh, and, and I'm familiar with those songs from growing up, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> now it's my favorite part of the show where I got to turn it over to you. Is there anything you would like to plug? Um... Well, uh, yeah, it would be my, my website, uh, Ringo's Beetle, singular, kits.com. Uh, it was just uh, updated uh, within the past few months. Um, uh, still a lot more detailed information to, to add. And um, there's a store there. So, so the posters that I had mentioned are available on there. Um, the Star Festival snare drum, uh, drum key, have that. Um, also selling the uh, uh, hand-painted drum heads, all authentic, uh, lead done by Russ Lease. I'm going to be adding some uh, illustrations done by Eric Cash, who is a phenomenal off-the-charts artist. Mm -hmm. He he has the art room at the fests, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, we, 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 we're just literally right now um, putting it together so so things haven't launched yet but they, they they will be available within the next week so um yeah the, the website's a labor of love i mean countless hours put into um making it uh, as best as it can be and um and, and i actually uh one of the reasons uh ethan that uh, the or the reason that it, that i had to delay our, our conversation was i was um talking to Mark Lapidus. Oh, really? Yeah, and um, so the the fest in August uh, is going to be uh, virtual, mm -hmm. and uh, so I'll be um, participating in that um, uh, online. And uh, so he was giving me the lineup of, of people that are are also going to be involved in this. So you know, I, I wrote down some of the names. I've uh, got like. Uh, Jenny Boyd, mm -hmm. uh, Lawrence Jubiner, uh, uh, Peter Asher, uh, Mark Hudson, Billy J. Kramer, Greg Bissonette, my buddy, mm -hmm. uh, Mary Wilson. Uh, so, th so they're going to uh, put together a nice program. It's uncharted waters, but from what uh, I was told in the conversation, this is going to be it's going to be high end. It's going to be very well done, and and I'll be doing a. a one or two uh, presentations, and um, it looks like there's the ability 
uh, for me to do them as I would normally do them uh, live. So there will there'll be uh, PowerPoints, mm -hmm. which makes it exciting because people get to see photos that they've never seen before and that so uh yeah so that's something for people to check out by going to thefest.com gary i just want to i just want to thank you again for being on the show well ethan thank you i i greatly uh, uh, appreciate your time and uh i have to tell you you impressed the hell out of me uh, uh, i don't know how that happened <laughs> <laughs> clearly i fooled you well enough no, 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 no. It's uh, um, yeah. You, you just you just have something special about you, and I and I'm, I'm oh. glad that, that we hooked up here. And, thank uh, you. Yeah. And to everyone else out there, thank you for listening. You can go home now. Fans on the Run is produced by Ethan Alexander. Additional voiceovers by Richard Phillip. This has been a Showtown production.